You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and let's begin today by calling the spirits. And so I call out to your ancestors and mine. I call out to all of those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful in our lineage to us, those who carry the wealth of all those who have gone before us into our lives. I call out to them to be with us here today and thank them. It is on their shoulders that we stand. It is because they dreamt of a future that we are here. And I thank all those who lived well and died well and are here to support us that we might learn from their mistakes and go forward in ways humanity has not yet seen. May we draw in their support that we might be the men and women we were dreamt up to be. So I call out to these ancestors to circle round and hold us well here today that we might do what must be done in a way that is good for all living things. And from this circle, I reach down into the earth and call out to this great and most essential ancestor for she gives us a home, a home of great beauty. We reach down to the earth and call up her energy and give thanks. Thanks for life and the precious miracle that it is. Give thanks for this day and all that is of this day. We give thanks for the life all around us and the life within us. And we give thanks for that purpose that burns in our belly. May this be a day that we live it. So we call out to the earth to give us the wisdom of manifestation and to give us a place in which to manifest it. We give thanks to the earth for connection for grounding, for home, for belonging, and for interconnection in the great web of life of which we are part. We give thanks to the earth for all of these things that allow us to be here in this physical way that we understand and yet know that we are each spirits here, living as humans, living as trees, living as plants, bugs, however it is we have chosen to live, that we are all spirit here living in this way together. And with our feet firmly planted in this reality, in this earth, with the ancestors gathered around, let us reach up and open our hearts and our minds to the energies above. We call down the energy of the sky, the energy of the cosmos, the energy of the highest power of the universe by whatever name you choose to call it. Call it. Draw it down. Draw it down into yourself, into our proceedings here today and at any time you are listening. Call down this energy to infuse your mind and your heart and your body with blessing. We call it down to give us protection and we call it down to bring generosity and benevolence and the feeling that there is a hand at our back, that there are champions for our causes and there are mentors to help guide us along the way. So we call out to this energy that we might feel supported to bring our gifts out into the world. And as we draw the sky energy down and mix it with the earth energy within us, we call out to that energy of the heart. And we call in particular to the heart as the great crucible of transformation and healing and change. For it is in the heart that can hold the fires of the energies in our lower chakras, the energies that carry for us the passion of our desire to live and to do what we have come here to do. And, they can call, and the heart can hold with the fires from below the cool energies from above, the clarity, the discernment, the inspiration, the illumination. And mix these energies from our head and our belly in the heart that we might know why we are here and find that heart path to follow, to bring our true unique genius out into the world. And so with these spirit energies called in all around us, I ask these proceedings today serve all life, that we may hear what we need to hear and that what needs to be spoken is spoken. And I give thanks for this assistance today. I also give thanks to all of those listeners and their generosity, to Renata, David, Theodore, Mark, Louise, and all of the listeners who have donated to the show since last week or the last couple of weeks. If this show is meaningful to you in any way, 
I ask you to move into action. Let that motivation and movement in your heart move you into action. That you might donate to the show, share the show with someone else, send in a question, or act based on what moves you in the show, but to let what moves you in the heart move you into action in the world. This is a fundamental aspect of shamanism, that we allow the energies to begin to flow through the heart. We allow the energies to come in and to move us in the heart, and we allow those energies to motivate us into action, and we let those energies begin to flow between us and all the other realms. And this is what will allow us to create the change and the transformation that we all need that will benefit all living things. So I give thanks for you that allow yourself to move, to act on what has heart and meaning for you in your life. For those of you who want to support the show, please go to whyshamanismnow.com and click on the support button. You are welcome to offer any amount of money, large or small. Um, Every single increment from whatever country you send it is very, very welcome. It all helps to keep the show on the air. And for those of you that don't want to do it online, you can always just send a check here. Um, just email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I'd be happy to give you a mailing address. Um, so don't be scared of the technology. Those of you that are scared of the technology, go ahead and do it the old-fashioned way. Um, so today's show is what is shamanic healing? And so today we're going to talk about shamanic healing in the context of the contemporary world. How does it fit in? How do you access it? Why should you access it? And what does it offer in the great uh, complement of healing options um, available to most contemporary people? With that said, though, I wanted just to mention that there's been a little bit of clamor about what happened to the show last week. And I just want to... um, send all of the well wishes that came to me because people were afraid something might not be right with me and send them on to um, our producer and family at Co-Creator Network. Um, the, the, the live shows last week were canceled because the producer needed to be helping his family. And I thought about this because, you know, we're so American. We're like, oh, the show must go on. And I thought, you know, isn't it cool that we have a producer for the show that would value the family enough to put us all on hold for a week, we'll live, and to to care for something that has so much heart and meaning in our lives, which is our family, hopefully. So I thought that was really beautiful, actually. So I'm sending all your well wishes that came to me on to Ken and his family. And um, I just bring that up because the willingness to do, to live for what has heart and meaning in our life is the core of our well-being. That is the core of our health. And I know here in America, and I think this is true in much of what we would consider the Western world, it is living, well, spending eight or more hours a day doing things that have no heart and meaning for us that is at the root of our lack of well-being, thus creating all of those things we scurry around in what little free time we have to try to heal. And so if we're going to talk about the fundamental root of well-being and the way to diminish your healing needs, it would be to simply do in your life what has heart and meaning for you, to find what that is and to find a way to live it. Um, it's part of the reason that I moved Why Shamanism now here to this network so that the, the beliefs being shared through this show would be consistent with the organization that was producing it and offering it technically. And this um, was a great um, healing as- choice in my own life because um, having the show uh, with other producers was creating enormous unbelievable stress in my life and the stress was making me ill. And so I just want us to remember as we talk about what is shamanic healing, that healing is, from a shamanic perspective, healing is our life. It is about our whole life. It's not about the, just the choices we make about our physical, our physicality, that, that what we um, choose to do with our mind and how we do or don't allow ourselves to be motivated by our heart, how we do or don't allow ourselves to feel, and the degree to which we allow ourselves to communicate with our own spirit at the very least, if not, of course, the entire realm of the invisible world. All of these things 
play into health and well-being from a shamanic perspective. And so let's keep that in the background as we go through the show here today. Um, I also wanted to say, though, for those of you that didn't know what was going on, you have two ways to track what's going on with the show. I don't, I don't, I don't know who all the listeners are. I don't have a direct connection to all of you. But one of the ways that we do let people know what's going on is our radio show mailing list. So we only send you usually one email a week letting you know what the show is going to be about. But that was also a way we could um, let people know there wasn't going to be a show. So if you would like to have that be on the radio show mailing list, just send your email to assistance at lastmaskcenter.org. Assistance as in asking for help. Assistance, A-S-S-I. Well, anyway, assistance at lastmaskcenter.org. And we'd be happy to put you on that mailing list. Just let us know you want to be on the radio show mailing list. And then the other way to check is Facebook. Um, The radio show has a Facebook page for those of you who haven't found that yet. Um, Just go to Why Shamanism Now on Facebook and like it. And then you can track what's going on there. We also posted a notice there. So there are just ways you can keep track of the show. Um, It's not as – we don't have the – it's something we might change on the radio show site. But we don't have a way to quickly post a message there at the moment. Maybe we should change that. But for now, Facebook and our own email list would be the ways to keep up to date on what's happening on Why Shamanism Now. Um. So let's see. Where are we? So today is um, a live show, and you are welcome to call in with questions about healing and shamanic healing. Um, We may be somewhat provocative today since I uh, have some fairly strong things to say about health care and being a health care consumer. But you are welcome to connect in to the show with an email to christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Or you can Skype us from the Co-Creator Network site. Just click the Skype button. Or you can call in at 512-772-1938. So you are welcome to join us today on the show. Um, So health, healing, shamanism and shamanic healing in the 21st century. This is the topic of today's show. And for those of you that have been listening to the show, we've we've been moving through the medicine wheel in terms of the the great archetypes that – Uh, must be present in our lives in a good way if we are going to be able to do what we've come here to do. And so in the winter, January, we well, winter in the Northern Hemisphere, we began with um, the visionary. And we spoke about visionary things as we were in our gestating time, ruminating on what we might want to do. And as we began to move into springtime, we started to talk about issues of warriorship, moving out into the action. And what was really interesting I mean, think about this, people. What was really interesting is we had a really high statistics around all those dream shows, talking about the dream and the big dream and your dreams and how do you interpret your dreams and all of that. And man, when we moved into taking action in the world, our statistics tanked. What is up with that, you guys? I mean, what, we're just going to talk about all the pretty pictures? If you are listening to this show, you are listening because we focus on the practical application of shamanism, which is to do it. It was fascinating to me to see. I mean, we're huge, not just like a bump, a drop in the statistics. Now, I hope that's not just because I gave you crappy shows. But I think, what, we don't want to know how to do the work in the world. It was really fascinating. So I don't know what's up with that, people. But I'm thinking about it. Might do a show about it. Not quite sure. But we've moved on this month from um, the warrior to the healer. We're talking about healing and shamanic healing in particular. What is shamanic healing and how does it fit into the world? So what people often don't realize is when we talk about shamanism or shamanic healing, we're really talking about three different aspects or dynamics of healing like we access three different kinds of ways of healing through shamanism and people aren't always really clear about this so the first of these three would be shamanic healing itself and this would be traditional shamanic healing and traditional shamanic healing is as i've described in previous shows energy in or energy out so and i've had various guests so like we had betsy Bergstrom 
um, do several shows about the energy out side of things. So that would be cleansings, extractions. So cleansing is uh, cleansing, obviously, removing diffuse energy through the body. This can be energy that intrudes, but it is very often people's own beliefs that, that poison or are toxic in the body. Um, so cleansing is a way of removing diffuse energy. Extraction is the term we normally use for energies that are more localized. They could be in some kind of body part that has pain, in a tumor or growth in the body, something that is more localized. We usually talk about extraction. It could also simply be an energy that is more organized, not so diffuse through the body. And so there are extraction forms in shamanism. Now, okay, I'll just stay on topic here. Okay, and then Betsy also spoke with us about what happens as we move from energies that are organized enough to be be a thing that gets extracted all the way to depossession work. And Betsy talked with us about how Today, it's not so much the like the movie version of a crazy head spinning, vomit puking depossession as much as it is this overshadowing that happens in our lives as um, the energies of the dead basically see our light and move to it because they don't know how to get out of the realm here of the living and move on um, taking that passage all the way to the land of the dead. Um, so this is the, the basic realm of energy removal. Within that realm, we have things like curse removal and other things around people's energy, like helping to restore a person's ability to have healthy grounding, healthy boundaries. You can't ground or have boundaries for someone else, but sometimes there's something going on that's keeping them from being able to do it. So it'd be restoring a person's ability to maintain their own healthy energy body. These are all um, sort of energy out aspects of shamanic healing. Um, I think I'll talk later in the show about how you would know you might need those. I'm just trying to get through this idea of these three aspects of um, shamanism, shamanic healing. So the energy in of traditional shamanic healing would be blessings, um, prayers, you know, sort of blessings and prayers given to people, um, divinations, information given to people, helping spirits or power retrievals of some kind, bringing back their helping spirits. There are energy retrievals, which is basically retrieving any aspect of a person's energy that belongs with them from their sort of raw, just kind of a life force energy to um, a body part energy, an organ energy. You know, if someone has um, their gallbladder removed, they need the energy of the gallbladder restored Um, all the way to soul retrieval, which is the retrieval of some fragment or portion of the soul energy that has um, left and disconnected from us in space and time, wherever we are currently in space and time, to, to essentially hold on to an energy that is an, an event or an experience in someone's life that is unresolved for whatever reason. So there's a whole range then of energies from not terribly organized to very highly organized that also need to be returned. And that's tradi- mostly traditional shamanic healing. And there are rituals and ceremonies that are often involved in um, energy in or energy out in terms of space, like the land that you live on, your home, your family, your community. So all of these are, are found in traditional shamanic healing and they are all still relevant today. We have not changed these fundamental aspects because these, these are aspects um, that come to play in our life because we are human being with a soul living with other human beings with souls in an energy system that also, um, in our, in our environment that also has energy. And so these are energetic principles that have not changed our, our form, the way we live, where we get our food, things like that may have changed. But, the, but these fundamental issues around energy in and energy out and, and our relationship with our environment where we live, those, those problems remain. So traditional shamanism is still um, valid, although the forms 
may have shifted um, as they have forever. So now the other thing, though, is there's some shamanic healing um, that are more contemporary manifestations of shamanism, which are not necessarily found in traditional shamanism. Um, And this is partly because we have issues today that we didn't have uh, to address back when um, we were in sort of a first contact situation with shamanic people before the, the Western world began to change their lives. So what we have is this overshadowing thing I actually already talked about or ancestral healing. In other words, all of these dead people that are not where they belong. That it's a, an epidemic proportions at this time. And that's a problem that didn't used to exist um, in traditional shamanic cultures because they tended their dead differently to make sure this didn't happen. So we have this issue of ancestral healing or this overshadowing, which leads to a need for um, a kind of depossession work. We have a need for rites of passage today that is different than the past because in the past when a person was in that timing, the rite of passage was, was there for them to take in right timing. And so there's issues around rites of passage now, which is not only bringing them back in the right timing, like childhood to adulthood or into elderhood or something like that, but also how do we create rites of passage out of time? out of the sequence, I guess would be the right word. So one big focus in my four-year training, with a, which is primarily adults, primarily people over 30 and, you know, under 80, is how do we get you initiated into adulthood? Because it is your lack of initiation that is keeping you from being able to do what you had to do. And it's a large piece of people's lack of wellness and well, um, well-being. Um, let's see, what else? the other kinds of examples. Um, then the other thing is that because people aren't given any information about their energy body in a typical American household, I can only speak for that right now, but I think it's true in a lot of other countries, but I know in America we get no information, no reasonably good information about how to be in an energy body, you know, like, sort of like the care and feeding of a human um, energetically. And so people make these incredible energetic messes that need to be undone and healed on one hand, but then the person also needs to be trained to do what is instinctual and basic to the energy body because things get so distorted and messed up around the natural state of the energy body. And this leads to huge um, energetic vulnerability, which leads to constant issues of um, you know, physical problems. So these are all enormously important healing issues. And this is, these are the things that we can begin to address through shamanic healing itself. In other words, you going as the client to a shamanic practitioner. And these are traditional and non-traditional healings, but all relevant um, to a regular person today. So now the second area then where Um, shamanism offers um, a contribution to our healing is when you as the individual choose to learn to journey yourself and develop your own relationship with your own helping spirits and to begin to work with your own helping spirit or spirits brings into your life a direct access to not only your own self-healing, there is enormous personal healing that can come from your own work with your own helping spirit without any shaman's intervention. And then in addition to that, that helping spirit, if you developed a strong relationship with that helping spirit, can help you orchestrate your use of all the healing options available to you. And that is one of the most valuable roles that your helping spirits or shamanism as a skill set can offer you in your own life is how do you navigate, how do you orchestrate, how do you integrate all of these different allopathic, which in America is the AMA, the American Medical Association, and alternative, which is everybody else, um, all of these options available to you. And there's more options every day. Every day there are more energetic healing forms. There are more um, systems which are not yet tested, but some are still very effective, you know, available. How do you orchestrate that? One of the biggest problems in people's well-being for people that come to me as clients 
is they are seeing too many practitioners and it is be- and it becomes um an anti integration experience that everything is going every which way and it's not being integrated in a holistic sense of who the person is and what needs to come first it's not that each individual practitioner isn't in and of themselves beneficial they are but many people are seeing too many practitioners without any orchestration of these healings. So one of the greatest gifts of your helping spirit can be to help you to orchestrate that for yourself. And then finally, the third area or arena of our life that shamanism, when we say shamanism, can bring us health and well-being is if we actually take to shamanism. We actually... Um, find that we resonate with the ideas that we do believe we are all one and we want to find a way how do I live that belief in the world well if that's what you want that's what resonates with what is true for you it is important to align with those truths and those ideas and to find a way to live it and so shamanism as a way of life as a belief system from which to view really belief system, but a life way, a way to live, a way to, to approach everyday life with this core idea that we are one with all things. And if we can do that, um, then we can begin to create a brand new foundation for our health and well-being. And so, and connect with like-minded people and perhaps begin to develop um, another great longing for many people that wears at their well-being is a longing for community. A longing for a true community of like-minded people that isn't just um, a new manifestation of your old family system that wasn't all that helpful. So we have these three aspects. So we have shamanic healing purely. We have you and your work with your own helping spirit as another arena that shamanism can assist you in your health and well-being in everyday life. And then we have shamanism as a way of living that can brings on this whole new possibility um, of transformation into um, a life of powerful, powerful um, vitality, um, passion, and um, to become a real driving force for health and well-being in your life and inspiring that in others. So with that said, this whole work with shamanism always moves us into this arena of paradigm shift. And, and, I, and I acknowledge that. I, I recognize that. Um, and I just comment about an idea that's been floating around because um, we, you know, we have all these great ideas floating around the cyberspace these days. And this is an idea that people are talking about paradigm shift addiction or paradigm shift fatigue is another thing that I've heard. But this whole um, – this idea – Well, let me just say that my perspective is that I don't actually believe in paradigm shift addiction or fatigue. I think that um, the person, the contemporary person who has actually experienced a true paradigm shift is very rare. I think we make changes and learn new things and have powerful transformations all the time, but I don't consider these paradigm shifts. Having experienced a paradigm shift in my life, in my shamanic initiation, and and working with people deeply in transformation, I would say that people who have truly experienced a paradigm shift are rare. But what paradigm shift addiction has been described as is this feeling that each time an individual discovers a new way of doing something or seeing the world, um, that 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 way then eventually becomes old or stale, and then the person begins to look for a new way. And then once the new paradigm then becomes the old orthodoxy and then the new paradigm, then another new paradigm arrives to create more. It becomes very um, self-centered, self-absorbed and this constant looking for the new. And it is, yes, an addictive process. But as you know, my perspective is about Americans is we can turn anything into an addiction. We are the masters. We, We have mastered the art of creating an addictive relationship with absolutely anything. And that's, I think, what we're talking about here is this sort of addiction to change, an addiction to this transformational work without the willingness to get to the source and the root of the problem and do whatever it takes to transform there. And which goes back to the warriorship we discussed last month is that willingness to do whatever it takes 
And I know in my life, so this is the thing about my life and also what I was saying about co-creator network. When you listen to me speak, uh, you can do this because Ken is there producing the show. You are, you are experiencing the lives of two, two people who have committed everything to what they believe. They have committed their lives, their livelihood, their homes, their well-being, their families, everything to what they believe is true. Co-Creator Network believes that we are co-creating reality all the time. And all of their shows are there to help people wake up to that and participate in it consciously. In my life, I had my shamanic initiation experience over a handful of years. I began to understand what was going on. And I said basically to the universe, I don't believe you. Prove it. And to prove it, I had to make it a hypothesis. I was a good scientist, a good chemist. You have to do hard science and you have to test your hypothesis. The only way to test your hypothesis is to make it real. So I threw everything in, my life, my livelihood, everything to these beliefs to see if they were true. And everything transformed. And my life became better than I could ever have imagined it to be. That doesn't mean I don't go through hard times and I don't have trials and tribulations. But the change is unbelievable. And so this is what I mean when I just see people that I just call them workshop addicts because I don't think there is a paradigm shift going on. Because to truly shift the paradigm, you have to be all in. And when you are all in, everything does change. So what I suggest is that these beliefs or practices or even this attitude about sort of workshop addiction is not really a shift of paradigm. And I say this because of my work in what I call transformational shamanism over the last 20 years. I don't, my basic training is not here, come learn the healing forms. Why should I do that? The Foundation of Shamanic Studies is a perfectly good job teaching people the healing forms. They are a great place to go to learn the skills. That is not interesting to me to duplicate what is already being done just fine. What is interesting to me is the bigger picture. What do these skills fit into? What is the larger picture? And so for me, it was really about the transformation. How do we transform as contemporary people from a broken system into shamanic people, not shamans, but shamanic people, people who are living life shamanically. And then we can have shamanic lawyers, shamanic doctors, shamans potentially, but shamanic parents, shamanic, you know, everything so that we start making decisions differently about everything. That's my perspective. It's, a, it's just a bigger perspective. And so you don't come to Last Mass Center if you just want to learn the healing forms. I mean, go to the Foundation of Shamanic Studies, for God's sakes. I mean, don't waste our time. You can do it faster there, too. Not cheaper, but faster. I'm interested in people that actually want the paradigm shift for real. And so I've been working with people in transformation for 20 years with shamanism. And so... You know, the soul retrieval work that I do is good. That's what called me into shamanism is the soul retrieval work specifically. That is my strength, the soul retrieval work and the integration. And yet I can work with people doing deep personal transformation through their soul retrieval work and integration. And if their cosmology doesn't change, in other words, the way they think the world works doesn't change, they will continue to miss out on the health and well-being that is in their grasp. And so my solution for that is to bring people into the four-year training where we can transform that cosmology through the cycle of transformation. So there's a big cosmology shift in spirit and mind. But people did that for years without doing the emotional clearing. Now, it's part of the process, but I can't make people do it. You can only lead the horses to the water. And so without the emotional clearing... The, the paradigm can't shift. The true change, the true healing of the error, of the errant belief, the, the paradigm that no longer serves us, the true healing can't come without that emotional release. So we have people that come and do the cycle of transformation and the soul retrieval work and their cosmology shifts 
and they do the emotional clearing. And I found that people still stayed stuck because they had not been initiated from childhood to adulthood. And the false self that gets, that is the way that there's the self the child devises to survive, which is what you give up in initiation from childhood to adulthood. And you reach out to the bigger system of reality, to spirit, the reality of spirit, and you begin to co-create your life as an adult. That's what happens in a traditional indigenous shamanic initiation from childhood to adulthood in its most basic sense. And so what I found doing all of this deep transformational work with people, the shamanic healing, the teaching, the shift of cosmology, teaching them to work with their helping spirits, teaching them to live a life through shamanism that's still wasn't enough. That ultimately, as non-initiated adults, there was a false self still running the show. And so now, the, the final sort of graduation, the true thesis work in, when you do the four-year training is to actually use the skills you have learned in those four years to dismantle your false self. And that brings in the initiatory piece allows someone to emerge in their life as a true spiritual adult and to begin to function as an adult. And so what I see deeply rooted in our, any conversation about healing in the contemporary world right now is a profound lack of imagination of what it means to actually be healed and transformed. And there's just far too much acceptance culturally that there are things that are too hard to be changed. So can't I just go around it? Can't I pay for it to be fixed by somebody else? And there's far too much um, lack of understanding that... um, If we want to change something at its root, at the source of the problem, we have to be willing to do whatever it takes. And that might be what is necessary for true health and well-being. And so the question we need to ask ourselves as people looking for healing in the contemporary world is in the moment that I'm looking for healing, do I just want to feel better right now? Which is fine. Or... Am I in a place where I'm willing to follow the path to resolve this issue at the source? Because these are two different goals in healing, and they're both valid in the right time and the right place. And, and we've talked about this actually before. One example was in a show I was talking about shamanism and mental illness, and a listener had written in and asked about taking her antidepressants and was she missing an opportunity by doing that? And my response was, well, only if you think the antidepressants are fixing everything. If you are taking your antidepressants to get out of pain so that you can then continue on your path of deeper healing, then you're not missing anything. You're doing what you need to do to do the work. And so Part of what I'm saying then is that example of understanding the first thing is to get out of pain so you can function. And then the second piece is then to go function. And, and it's important to understand that um, because not understanding that is the place that practitioners intentionally or unintentionally manipulate all the time. The people offering the healthcare can manipulate that all the time is do you just want to feel better? So, for example, when I was dancing, I was healthy, I just wanted to dance, I didn't have a very long vision of things at that time, um, and I just wanted to feel better, right? I wanted to be able to get back on stage. I wanted to feel better. I didn't really care what the deeper source of the problem was. I wanted to get back into rehearsal. So that was my goal. And so I chose particular healing forms to be able to do that. What was interesting, though, is that certain problems became chronic. And so I was forced to get out. If I wanted to get out of pain, I was forced to look deeper at a deeper root of the problem. And then I started to find that the deeper root of the problem 
took me to just places I was shut down in my life, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, old belief systems, whatever it was, and that it was manifesting physically because I was pushing myself to be expressed, to be out, right? And, and, and so I'm needing healing. I'm hurting myself because I'm doing two things at once. I'm holding back and moving out at the same time. So where I'm holding back manifests a physical problem. I go to get the, fix the physical problem. We find it's a deeper issue. We look at the deeper issue. I actually go deal with the source of the problem. I don't want to, but I have to. So I do it. And funny thing, it opens me up, makes me a person that is more full and available to myself, and it makes me a better dancer. So it is, So it's important to know, are you just wanting to get out of pain or do you want to pursue the source of the problem? And sometimes to realize you don't really have a choice. Your, your only choice is to pursue the root of the problem. And in that path, I will admit, there are times that things get worse before they get better. That's just – so for example, with soul retrieval. Soul part comes back. Initially, people often feel fabulous because they have this great return of energy, a, a resurgence, a renewal, a reconnection with themselves. And then two weeks later, that's gone and there's this big lump in the middle of their life because the soul part also brings back the unresolved issue of that time that needs now to be resolved. And so there is a period of a few weeks, assuming a person's working on their integration, where they may feel worse before they feel better. But the path to better is a fundamental change. So part of consuming healthcare is really understanding what are you looking for. And if you really are just looking for pain relief, which is fine. I mean, it's your life. You get to choose what you want to do. Go to the people that are offering many of these techniques that are quick and simple. I mean, because basically you can go to the pharmaceutical route for pain relief or you can go sort of many of these energetic alternative practices for pain relief. And yes, you feel great when you walk out the door. And then you have to come back next week and the next week and the next week for the same treatments, just like continuing to take a pharmaceutical. Because all that you're pursuing at that point in time is the relief from the pain or the aggravation or the discomfort, um, like insomnia or asthma or something, is just the relief. Where there are certain systems that look at the being holistically that can help you explore the source of that problem you are asking for relief from. And if all you want is pain relief, don't waste those practitioners' time. If you do want to get to the source, don't waste your money with the people who are just making you feel better. And those modalities are useful. I'm not criticizing any of these. I'm just saying that you, as someone who's looking for contemporary healing, a healing in the contemporary world, needs to know what you're looking for and be honest about it. And it will simplify things. You won't waste as much money and you won't waste people's time and you won't waste your own time. And all of these things are in short supply these days. So why waste them? So, so if we look now at healing in the 21st century, there's two things you need to understand as a consumer and do not think you are not a consumer when you are looking for health care. You are. You are a consumer when you are looking for health care. You are not a um, special being that the whole world is rallying to now from the all, some altruistic place to give you things for free. No one is doing that. That you need to be um, savvy as you would be if you were going out to try to find the best deal on your flat screen TV or on a new bedspread or whatever. So don't be silly just because you feel like crap and you're looking for healing. Don't become suddenly a knucklehead about it. Okay, so 21st century healing. In America, and, I, and obviously something like this is going on in Europe, but I admit I did not study the evolution of the healthcare system in Europe. I only studied it in America. And what we need to understand here in America is it took a lot of time and a very conscious marketing effort to get people out of the village herbalist's home and into the hospital. Because in the beginning, people used to die all the time in the hospital because they didn't understand about infection yet. So hospitals are a business. They are not designed 
for your best care. They are designed to be profitable. And we need to understand that there is that aspect of, of the, in the sociology and the development of medicine in America that it is a business. And then if you add, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but you as a consumer need to understand your, the best care for you for the least amount of money is not the goal of the system. The goal of the system is keeping the hospital itself financially viable. And then you add the layers of keeping the insurance companies viable and the pharmaceutical companies viable. And that is just a morass of um, bad blood I don't even want to get into. Um, and, and it's perfectly fine for businesses to want to be viable. But you need to understand as a consumer, this system was not designed by people saying, how can we offer the best care to the patient? That was never the first goal. And you need to understand that when you're looking for health care. Now, because of that, part, partly because of that, in America at least, you have this huge blossoming of alternative, integrative, and holistic care in America. And all of these other systems come to the fore because the allopathic system doesn't fix everything. It fix, fixes some things great, and it doesn't fix other things well at all. And so these other systems have blossomed. So that means your money, now the pie, then just got cut into fewer pieces. So what you need to understand as a consumer is everybody's piece of the pie is smaller. And so everybody wants you to come to them. Everyone will tell you that they have the answers. And in certain systems, they will be very reluctant to tell you they don't have an answer. And one of the things people do not understand in, for example, the allopathic medical system is when they don't have an answer, they will give you a drug or sign you up for surgery whether or not that is the best path of care, because it's the only path they have to offer in the realms they don't actually excel in. And so I would definitely go get a second and a third opinion if you're being put on some gnarly pharmaceutical. And there are some scary pharmaceuticals out there people are put on all the time. And I'm not even talking about their price. I'm talking about what they do to your body. And some ridiculous, well, the surgeries when they are needed are lovely but they are overprescribed. So for example, acupuncture and um, electrostim and aspects of Chinese medicine can often effectively deal with things like carpal tunnel or some disc things for certain people. And there is no reason those people need to get into surgery, which becomes a cycling problem with scar tissue and more repetitive stress problems. So my point is, in many systems, they won't tell you, I don't know. We don't have the best thing to offer. We should refer you to whomever. And many consumers assume that all of these healthcare providers are altruistic and want to give them the best care possible and, and, are, and are seeing the whole picture. And they're not. And don't expect that. It is naive to expect that. So the first thing to understand is that there are many systems that will not tell you we don't know. And there are many systems that will prescribe, quote, unquote, what is best for you, because what they really mean is this is the best thing we have to offer, and frankly, it's not really good for your situation. They won't tell you you'd be better off in Chinese medicine or chiropractic care or shamanism. So you need to understand that. And the problem is it puts the burden on you now to go look, to do the research, to find out what's out there. And in every single system, there are good practitioners There are bad practitioners, there are fabulous practitioners, and there are quacks. There are frauds in every single system. And so now you're stuck out there wandering around trying to sort all that out. So I bring you back to your greatest gift, should you learn to journey, is your own helping spirits helping you to sort that out. So while you're out there looking for what you might want to engage in in terms of healing in the contemporary world, remember, are you looking for pain relief only? And there's a time and a place for that. Or are you looking for someone who will help you deal with the source of the problem? And are you willing to walk that path? So how do you know when you need shamanic healing? So shamanic healing 
the main way that you know you need shamanic healing in terms of, well, actually, in terms of energy in or energy out. The main way you know you need shamanic healing is the chronic nature of something. Um, so either that it is chronic, no matter what you do, it remains chronic. So you're pursuing various alternative means or various allopathic means, and it remains persistent. This is particularly true if you're taking a pharmaceutical that, that is statistically very effective and it's not effective on you, then that's a really strong sign you have a shamanic illness, not a chemical illness. Another aspect about chronic, I would say differently, is that the pattern is persistent, meaning you get healing, it changes everything for a while, and then the pattern reestablishes itself in a new way. So it's not a chronic condition precisely. It's a chronic pattern that adapts and, and manifests itself in every new version of your life that you create. These are all really strong signs that shamanic healing would benefit what you were doing. And that's another thing to understand. Shamanic healing is not a therapeutic process, meaning, you know, area one, where you as the client are coming to a shamanic healer. It is not a therapeutic process. So you're not going to go to a shamanic healer again and again and again and again and again. You're going to go for an intervention, either energy in or energy out, and that may take a few sessions to sort that all out. But the point is you're going to go to shift things at a fundamental level and then continue with your therapist and your yoga and your journaling or your um, expressive arts class and your asthma medicine and your something else. I mean, it is expected that you have an array of support in your life, that you have found yourself various healers that are effective for you. I mean, for me, because I had a very physical first 35 years of my life, I will need to have physical healthcare workers for the rest of my life because my, I, my body has paid and I will need physical healthcare. For other people that didn't um, use their body the way that I did and maybe had a more sedate life, they may find that they need other kinds of support in their basic healthcare system. But the point is everybody needs a basic system of support and shamanic healing is an intervention to shift you at the source of the problem, not to take over for all the other practitioners potentially that you're seeing until, of course, something gets resolved. Now, shamanic healing um, is also something to explore when you're going to have surgery, that shamanic healing and surgery together are really, really effective. And um, I have seen people turn surgery, unbeknownst to their surgeon, turn their surgery into a shamanic extraction and depossession and come out of that healing beautifully with the help of their helping spirits without any adverse reactions and watch these people heal from this particular surgery very fast relative to what is expected in the normal medical model. So shamanic healing and surgery can go well together. Another thing is shamanic healing and family systems. Family systems are very complex. And often, no matter how good the therapist is, you actually need spirit to help to understand all of the things that are really going on because it's not just the psycho-emotional energy of the people or even the psycho-spiritual energy of the people. It's also the ancestors. It's also the descendants. It's also a whole bunch of other issues. And often we simply need the help of spirit to even begin to wrap our arms around it and figure out a path forward. So shamanism and family systems work can be very, very effective. Um, I did a whole show about cancer, and I think Peace with Cancer by Myron Ashowski offers many, many ideas. But the most basic idea is to work with the energy of the cancer itself um, as a messenger that helps us understand the larger path that you are on for your healing would be the really oversimplification of what to say with that. But again, the book is Peace with Cancer, and the author is Myron Ashowski.
you can Google that and find it all over the place. Um, or go back to the podcast about shamanism and cancer, and there's more about it in that podcast. Um, I also encourage people to be out in their lives about their shamanic healing as long as they receive support from the people they're being out with. I mean, I don't, you shouldn't be out with people that are just going to slam you, make you feel worse. Um, but I encourage you to be out because what I would like to see happening is all of these um, practitioners communicating with each other and understanding when to refer outside of their arena of strength. Um, and, and there's one other thing, you know, so given that, people, if you are with a practitioner, and these are usually alternative care practitioners who say this, but if you are with a practitioner who says, do not talk to anyone about what we are doing, they won't understand. Leave that practitioner immediately. No one is that special. And many of us understand quite well many, many other forms of energy work on one hand. But on the other hand, we need to be moving towards practitioners communicating with each other to help to integrate your path. Like I said, one of the worst things happening to people right now who are really engaged in trying to heal is they're seeing too many different practitioners, too many different modalities are going on, and it's scattering their energy. And so what you would want as a, pra- as a patient, client, is practitioners will talk to each other and can talk to each other about what they're doing and how that works with other people's modalities. And anyone who says, don't talk about what we're doing, no one else will understand it, can't support what they're doing. It's their own fear. And you need to run and find somebody else who does that kind of work. So the important thing really to understand here is that ultimately, as energy beings, there are some very fundamental energy structures and energy rules that are not affected by the, what I call the easy energy work. And I don't mean easy as in simplistic and throw, throw away. I mean easy in the sense that you get to lie there on the table and someone else does all the work, <laughs> um, which happens in shamanism as well. But the point is it's simple. Um, you get to just receive it, and you usually feel better fundamentally. Energies get cleared at, in the best situation. Um, but what I see in that, if we think of a tree, what I see is, well, if you think of a tree, right, you can take leaves off, you can take branches off, but if you, if you damage it at the trunk, the tree is going to die. Most trees, for most trees. So with this image, let's think of those kind of trees. So a lot of the easy energy work, and again, I don't mean easy in any dismissive way at all, but the easy energy work is helping you when, with the leaves of the problem. If the, if, the, if the problem is a tree, it helps you with the leaves. And the leaves are real. And the leaves, they, they, they make us crazy. We can't think straight. They spin us round and round. And that they help us to clear these energies out. But these forms usually don't get all the way in to the fundamental energy structure, all the way into the trunk. There's certain other forms that can kind of shake the branches. And a lot of the work that I do with people is teaching them the forms that can shake the branches. So you can begin to move a whole pattern of energy out instead of dealing with every single leaf, right? Because we're not going to live long enough to deal with every single leaf. What we need to understand is when we're dealing with something where the root of the problem goes to the trunk of the tree and how do we get there and, and heal there at the very trunk of the tree. And this is my sense about how we need to begin to think about our healing and approach it is, am I just dealing with a bunch of leaves? Do I need to move now to a branch? And do I need to understand, perhaps with the help of spirit, that my trunk is threatened and I really need to resolve this in some different way? So this is kind of an overall sense of, you know, what is shamanic healing? Well, shamanic healing is really these three different things. The actual traditional and contemporary shamanic healing forms, you visiting a shaman, 
It is you working with your helping spirit is the second aspect and all of the self-healing that can come from that and the organization of yourself in this vast array of healing available to you in the world today. And finally, the, the, the feeling of right place of coming into shamanism for some people and taking on that whole belief system and taking it deeply enough to shift your paradigm. So that you're living in a way that supports what truly has heart and meaning in your life. So that your well-being is being supported from the inside out. Thank you everyone for joining me this week.